Welcome to Ascended Masters at Work Radio with your host, Shirlene Reeves, the world's business success coach and author of Selling Through Your Heart, empowering you to build relationships for financial freedom. Live on BBS Radio, Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Pacific Time, where we focus on taking the right step-by-step actions towards generating a consistent business income. Listen in as Shirlene empowers small business owners with one-on-one coaching and her million-dollar business blueprint. On Ascended Masters at Work Radio, you'll discover the secrets to building an effective, income-generating business. Find the answers for selling your programs and products without rejection. Get the solutions for building a strong financial foundation. And learn from one-on-one coaching with Shirlene Reeves and her guests how to develop integrated programs so compelling that your clients can't resist saying yes. If you wish to be coached now, get in the queue by dialing 888-627-6008. Each business owner is selected on a first-come, first-served basis. Now, let's welcome your host, business success coach and certified financial educator, Shirlene Reeves. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome back. Happy New Year to everybody. I'm so excited that you're here with us. And over the last few weeks, we've been focusing on business finance. And I've had so many clients talk to me about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency that I decided it might be really good if we had a cryptocurrency educator on. Wouldn't that be awesome? I just think that It's very confusing to so many people, and I get a ton of questions on this. You just wouldn't believe it because as a financial educator, I'm supposed to know about these things, and I keep on it up on it every day. And for those of you who don't know much about it or would like to keep up on it, you can go and download an app very, very easily, and it keeps you up on the news, and that's how I stay in the know about what's going on all over the world with cryptocurrency. Now, when we talk about cryptocurrency, we're also talking about a lot of different coins that you can purchase online as part of the cryptocurrency. And I want to share with you what the real definition is according to Wikipedia. And here's what they have to say. Cryptocurrency is a digital asset designed to work as a medium of exchange that uses cryptography to secure its transactions, to control the creation of additional units and to verify the transfer of assets. Cryptocurrencies are classified as a subset of digital currencies and are also classified as a subset of alternative currencies and virtual currencies. Wow. So Bitcoin, it goes on to say, was created in 2009 and it was the first decentralized cryptocurrency. And since then, numerous other cryptocurrencies have been created. And these are frequently called altcoins as a blend of alternative coin. 
and Bitcoin and its derivatives use decentralized control as opposed to centralized electronic money and central banking systems. Wow, that's a lot to learn just from Wikipedia. And if you were confused by that, I'm not surprised because so many people are. And they're excited about getting into it. And you may have had numerous people contact you about getting involved in Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, but not knowing what it really is makes it very, very confusing and scary, right? It can be scary when we're trying to think about where to put our money. And we've had years and years of the stock market and it's proven itself and it's regulated. And we're here tonight to answer questions about that because people in business make money and they love to put their money in places that make money. And when they invest in cryptocurrency or put their money in the cryptocurrency pot, they're hoping to make money. And we all know it doesn't really matter whether it's stocks or Bitcoin or anything else. We cannot determine what's going to happen, whether it's going to go up, whether it's going to go down. And we can't even tell you that because it depends. And I hope you've heard this before on the market, on the market of people who are actually purchasing it. Now, what I want to do is really get into this tonight in a simple way. We're going to try and tell you all about it with regard to how can I say, with regard to simplifying so that you can decide whether it's a good place for you to put your money or not. Now, I have an awesome guy. I've known him for a number of years. He's just phenomenal. And I follow him all the time. And he has, oh, let me just tell you a little bit about him. He w- he's been married for 25 years and he has four kids, four kids to feed. So I know him well enough that he really wants to take care of his family and he would never risk the income that he makes that would take care of his family. So that's why I love to listen to him. And he went to Brigham Young University Marriott School of Business And he's a graduate and he now serves on the board of advisors. He was the youngest speaker for the largest seminar county in the world. And he is a CEO and field vice chairman of Transamerica. And I should say he was, excuse me. Now he hired and trained over 10,000 insurance agents. That's amazing, isn't it? Can you imagine hiring and training 10,000 insurance agents. That's like herding cats and trying to get them to all go in the same direction based on what he trained them to do. And he is the founder and CEO of eVantage Financial. And that's when I joined him was when he became the founder and CEO. So this man has very, very big shoes, which is why I invited him onto the show. He's also on the board of directors and VP of business development for Cascade FinTech, which is a payment program manager. 
And now he is a cryptocurrency educator and CEO of Money Central. Let's welcome James Hardy all the way from Utah. Hi, James, are you there? <laughs> Hi, Shirley. Yeah, it's great being with you. This has been awesome. Thank you for inviting me to be on the call. Oh, and thanks for being with us tonight. I know you're an hour later than we are, so I appreciate you staying up longer to be with us. <laughs> My so, pleasure. James, <laughs> good. So, um, what I want to know is, what are your thoughts about what I just read from Wikipedia? What, I, that's really confusing, isn't it? You know, it's interesting. I'm really glad you read that. And for somebody who's studied Bitcoin for the last year, and I don't consider myself an expert, although I've really been following Bitcoin and I'm really excited about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. If I would have read that a year ago, I would not have understood a word of what you said. But mm -hmm. since I've been following Bitcoin, I actually do understand it. And it actually is a really good definition. And I think that 99% of all people actually don't know what Bitcoin is, and they don't know what it really means, or they have a lot of misconceptions. And so what I've been doing over the last few years is trying to demystify it by just explaining the basic fundamentals of how it started and how it works and helping people to understand it. But that definition was the technical definition for sure. Mm -hmm. So how would you explain cryptocurrency? Because Bitcoin is sort of like Kleenex that we use for tissue, right? I mean, it just kind of encompasses all those coins when people yeah. talk about it. You know, I mean, everyone's talking about it, and it's interesting. The experts said this. Uh, they said this years ago. They said when Bitcoin goes over 10,000, that's when the general public is going to hear about it. That's when it's going to go mainstream. And it was really interesting uh, in December, when Bitcoin finally hit 10,000, and it hit there because you know of these big announcements of some of the big firms, such as Amazon.com or Overstock.com, talking about that they were going to accept forms of cryptocurrency. So with all these big announcements and things happening, Bitcoin finally hit 10,000. And when it did, it was so amazingly true. They were correct. Literally, it was just days before Bitcoin was at 11,000. And then it was at 12,000. And I'm talking hours, like literally hours later, it hit 13,000. And then it blew past, you know, 14,000 and hit 15,000. And within a week's time, we had, you know, record breaking Bitcoin uh, levels uh, just over and over and over. And it was just amazing because everyone was talking about Bitcoin. Everyone on the streets, my kids were, their kids and their friends in school, you know, uh, senior citizens were talking about it as they were playing cards. But yet no one really understood what it was. They just knew that it had gone up so much in value this year. So I thought what we should do is maybe just talk about how it started, why it was started, and what it is. And then that will help people understand why it goes up in value. That's a great idea because, you know, just last night when I was having dinner, I got asked that question, why is it going up in value? So that's a really good answer that we need. Go ahead, James. So let's go back and talk about, this was started as Wikipedia said in 2009. And what was going on in 2009? Well, we were in the middle of the financial crisis that had been taking place over the last few years. And so obviously people weren't real trusting of banks. People weren't really excited about leaving their money uh, you know, with banks because they just didn't trust them. And so some people who were very intelligent decided that they would try and figure out how to create a new currency 
And the whole concept of decentralized currency means that it's not being held by one corporation or one individual. It's actually, you know, available to the public and that anybody can use it. So the inventors of Bitcoin had to make a decision, which was very important, and they had to make a decision to not own their own invention. So they were going to make it, they were going to create it, and they were going to give it to the world and set it up and literally not manage it. Now, first of all, how in the world would you do that? That's, mm-hmm. that's uh, a job in and of itself. And so if you, you know, learn about Bitcoin, and there's some good movies out. You know, there's a movie on Netflix called Banking on Bitcoin. And it's mm-hmm. almost kind of like you're watching a, a, a mystery show or a drama because the whole concept of the fact that the person who invented Bitcoin isn't even a real person. He went by the name Satoshi Nakamoto. And no one knows who Satoshi Nakamoto is. They don't know if he's still alive. They don't know if it's 10 people or one person. People have theories about it. But he knew that if he created something and he was the owner of it, it couldn't do what it potentially wanted it to do. So rather than us talk about the details yet, let's just figure out what did Satoshi Nakamoto want to accomplish? And I think to answer that question, we have to look at the challenges that we faced in our own financial crisis because he wanted to be different. So number one, they wanted to create something that would not uh, go down in value, that it would go up in value. So remember, this is a currency. So just like our $100 bills is currency, you know, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency is a currency as well, as Wikipedia says it's an electronic coin. So they wanted to figure out how we can make these coins go up in value, not down in value. And I want to use this real funny example. You know, I have kids that are now one kid that's in college. Imagine if 10 years ago I said to you, Shirley, as my financial advisor, I said, Shirley, I got a great idea. I'm going to go ahead and take $10,000 out of the bank, and I'm going to take them all in $100 bills, and I'm going to put it in a safety deposit box just so I have that money available for my son to go to college in. Would you have let me do that, or would you have thought I was crazy to do that? I would have thought you were absolutely crazy because it can't grow there. It's just going to sit there, just sort of like in the banks yeah, and, right now. <laughs> and it would have gone down in value. My $10,000 mm-hmm. would have had less purchasing power. And, of course, the cost for uh, school is probably the most rising cost of, 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 of inflation. I mean, it probably would have been four times more expensive. So that never would have happened. But yet the inventors of Bitcoin, they wanted to create a, a currency that actually would go up in value. And so they had to create some dynamics that would allow that to do that. Now, what is the dynamics? The number one dynamic is they had to limit the supply. And that's definitely not happening with traditional currency. As soon as the government wants to you know, manipulate things, they just print more money. And mm-hmm. next thing you know, we have inflation. And so right. no one can arbitrarily decide, hey, let's go make more Bitcoin. And so that in and of itself is an interesting concept. So I'm going to give you a couple statistics right now. Here's the first statistic. There will only be 21 million Bitcoin. That's it. That was the number they came up with. And they have been releasing Bitcoin since 2009, literally every 10 minutes. In fact, on this call, over the next hour, 30 minutes, however long we talk, they're going to release Bitcoin. And they're going to release it, not in a lottery, they're going to release it to the people that actually help run that network. And those people are going to call, be called miners. We're going to talk about 
how miners receive Bitcoin. But it's this releasing of Bitcoin little by little that actually allows more people to have it, more people to use it. But hopefully, if more people want it than is available, then the price will go up. And so that's what they tried to create is something that would do that. Now, that absolutely happened this year because I'm going to look at my chart here. If we go to one of the locations that sells Bitcoin, you can see kind of the history of Bitcoin. So Bitcoin a year ago was selling for about $800 per Bitcoin. Today it's $15,000, a little bit down from its high of almost $20,000. But had you bought one Bitcoin, and literally you did stick it in your safety deposit box this year, which you can, we can tell you how you can do that, mm-hmm. you could have pulled that out and you could have sold it, and you would have made, gosh, nearly, you know, almost 17 or 18 times, almost 20 times on your money uh, as that Bitcoin increased. So that's an amazing concept. So thinking back to what you're saying, you know, I know that when I, I looked this up on the internet and I found out that people were really resistant to paper money when it came in because they'd been using the coins and silver and that kind of thing and gold. And they really resisted it and they were scared of it. And they said, I'm never doing that. And then finally, everything went to paper. And I just have this sense that I think it's going to be, our our whole system is gonna go in that direction because it it is a, a growth mode. And like you said, it is limited, which is kind of interesting. So based on what you said, if, if it is limited, and we went into that system, how would that work? Well, first of all, I'm so glad you brought that up because that is so interestingly true. And so let's elaborate on that for a second. So remember, you know, back in the old days, if I wanted to buy something, I had to carry this silver in my pocket. It was very mm-hmm. cumbersome. If I was going to, you know, go across a, a far distance, I had to carry this. It was dangerous. Somebody could rob me or, you know, I had to carry all this money. So the bankers at the time said, hey, we're going to go ahead and print money, paper money, notes, and we're going to back it by some gold, which is going to be in this vault. But at first people said, I don't believe it. I just won't take it. And some merchants said, no, I won't take paper money. I will only take coins. I will only take gold coins. But you know what? Eventually the whole world went to taking notes, and then eventually they got rid of that. And that's a whole other discussion we won't get into, where all of a sudden paper and and currency wasn't backed by gold anymore, which started the problem of inflation. Mm -hmm. So when the owner of uh, cryptocurrency or Bitcoin, uh, Satoshi Nakamoto, they only started with 50 Bitcoin, believe it or not. Day one, there was only 50 Bitcoin, and they were valued at less than a penny. And so what they did is they said, hey, we've got to allow people to start using it. Just as in the old days, originally people were like, I don't want cryptocurrency. I don't want a coin. What's that about? Same thing that happened originally with the merchants were like, no, I don't want your paper. It's not backed by anything. So we did have a transition, and I think it's funny to talk about the first first transaction of Bitcoin that a lot of people have heard about. It was actually two Papa John's pizzas. And if you haven't heard of this, here's how it happened. One of these individuals, who's probably one of the friends of, of the owners, he got some cryptocurrency. He got 10,000 Bitcoin. And he said, gosh, I'd really like to use this. We've, we've accomplished one thing with, with cryptocurrency. 
we've been able to move it from one person to another. And this is an important fact. With cryptocurrency, you can send somebody your coin anywhere there's an Internet connection. So it could be anywhere in the world. As long as that person can receive something from the Internet, they developed this technology, this blockchain technology that would transfer that coin or a portion of that coin, whatever they wanted to send, however much value of Bitcoin they wanted to send, they could send it through the blockchain. So they were moving coins back and forth, and they're like, isn't this cool? But they hadn't bought anything yet. It was just like it went from me to you, but you didn't buy anything. We just kind of shared it with each other. So someone put out a post, and this post was online for three days, and it said, will somebody buy me some pizza? I'm willing to give 10,000 bitcoins for some pizza. And finally, you know, he had to respond again. He said, or he had to post again. He said, am I not offering enough? I mean, you know, do I need to raise the amount? So finally someone responded and said, hey, I'll go ahead and buy you two Papa John's pizzas. Probably cost him 40 bucks. And he got 10,000 Bitcoin. Now you can do the math. Just times 10,000 times 15,000. Mm-hmm. You're talking about close to a billion dollars for those 10,000 Bitcoin. And there are thousands of people who are now multimillionaires and even billionaires because they did get Bitcoin when it was at a penny or a dollar or some very low price and they held on to it. But you know what? Just as many people who held on to it, there's probably even more who didn't. They let go of that Bitcoin. They didn't think it was going to be valuable. And they resisted the change. And now that change is now going mainstream. So that's an important factor of what's happened. So, James, let me stop you for just a minute, because we've got a few terms out here that I think we need definitions for. Because you mentioned blockchain, you've mentioned cryptocurrency, you've mentioned Bitcoin. So would you mind giving us uh, the definition of blockchain and then tell us what the difference is? Tell us what the difference is between cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. Okay. So cryptocurrency is the general classification of all the different types of cryptocurrency because Bitcoin is only one. So just like we have the U.S. dollar and we have yen, we have you know you know uh, euro. The euro. Those are all currencies. Yeah. yeah so these are all currencies. So Bitcoin is kind of like I don't want to use this term, but I will. It's like the gold standard of of, of cryptocurrency because it was the first one. And mm-hmm. because it kind of went mainstream, it's the one that's the most well-known. And it also is, interestingly enough, represents 50% of all the value. Now, that number may have changed, but the last time I saw the, the number, 50% of all the entire market value, um, which is around $600 billion, If I, you know, a few weeks ago that was the number. So then mm-hmm. if you took all cryptocurrency with Ethereum and Litecoin and Bitcoin Cash and many of these different, you know, cryptocurrencies that started this year, and we'll talk about those. That makes up about $600 billion, but $300 billion of that is all Bitcoin. So Bitcoin just happens to be a cryptocurrency. It happens to be the largest cryptocurrency, and it's the first cryptocurrency that people own and understand. And it's sort of mainstream because it's easy to get because... There are so many exchanges that popped up and said, hey, we'll, we'll sell you Bitcoin. We'll make it easy for you. And now you start seeing Bitcoin ATMs. In fact, 
In Europe, you're going to see them all over the place. And the U.S. is still a little bit behind, and you don't see Bitcoin ATMs very often. But if you Google Bitcoin ATM, you can find out where one is. And I love it because, see, if I go to uh, a traditional ATM and I want to get money out of my Wells Fargo or Chase account, you know, I'll be lucky if they're going to give me 500 bucks because they're going to limit how much I can take out of that ATM. But if I go to my Bitcoin ATM, I can pull out $3,000. I think that is fascinating in and of itself. And it is rings true to the fact that maybe these banks don't want you to take your cash out, you know. But no one mm-hmm. owns Bitcoin. Nobody owns the network. So guess what? And we can do whatever we want. And I think that was originally what the owners wanted to create, is they wanted to create something that actually people would trust. And they felt that people would trust it if no one controlled it. So now we get into that definition of blockchain. So they had to develop a technology that would allow you to move a transaction from one place to another. And so what it is, is this blockchain is this series of transactions that take place on the Internet. And once an entire block is completed, and it's it's, um, proven that each person who's trying to send money actually has not money, I shouldn't say money, Bitcoin, has Bitcoin, then what happens is that then completes the transaction and the persons, or I should say the computers, which are owned by persons, those persons are now get rewarded with fees and Bitcoin. So what Mm. they did is they said, hey, every 10 minutes we're going to release Bitcoin every time a block of transaction is completed. And I can't be totally specific with you and tell you how many transactions are in a block. We're going to keep mm-hmm. it pretty simple for this call. But just mm-hmm. imagine every time a certain number of transactions take place, then a little bit of Bitcoin is released, and it's going back to those persons who basically manage those computers. So when I first heard about Bitcoin, I said, oh, it's private. It's secret. No one can know about it. Well, I was wrong. It's the exact opposite. It's actually public. Anybody can actually see these these transactions because it's not like a Wells Fargo, uh, you know, server or I can't know what Wells Fargo is doing unless I'm an owner of Wells Fargo. But the Bitcoin network is totally open. Now, what is not known is we don't have the names published. So if I were to send you money right now, Shirley, um, uh, not money, but Bitcoin, I would just get a series of numbers, which is the numbers that you have for your own wallet, your own account, and I would send it to you. And so anyone could see that transaction, and that transaction keeps the whole network honest. No one can steal from it. No one can pull Bitcoin. We can see where all these transactions are going, but they're going to an address, almost like an email address, and they're moving back and forth. And so it's really quite unique that you have this incredible, giant um, ledger debit and credit system managed by this technology called blockchain, and so once it was created with Bitcoin, other entrepreneurs said, wow, we can do that for another coin. And then you have what's called an altcoin. And then another goes, oh, we can do it with this coin. And then they started getting smart and saying, well, let's develop you know, technology behind this coin. Or let's have this coin do something or give somebody a benefit. And now your murder team's got their coin. They've got the Whopper coin. So I don't know the details. I don't own any Whopper coins, but if I did and I wanted to use those coins, I can go get Whoppers. I can get Whoppers. So some of these coins have a, a purpose and a utility behind them. And um, so 
that's what's happened is is that this initial concept of how to move cryptocurrency using cryptography has developed into literally thousands of different coins. And I think in the new year, in 2018, now that we're in the new year, um, you're going to see a whole revolution. You're going to see many, many companies decide to use coins for various different purposes. And it's definitely um, here to stay. It's definitely a revolution, and it's a technology that is very powerful. You know, James, I I heard, I'm going to say this really quickly, and we're going to take a short break, that there are many, many companies coming on board to accept this cryptocurrency, and I happen to be one of them. So people can pay for my courses with their cryptocurrency, because I have a very strong belief in it. But when we come back from our little break, we're going to talk about the bubble and whether it's going to come down or not. So we'll be right back with you in just a minute. Attention professional authors, coaches, and small business owners. What if you could increase your sales authentically without scripts or the pain of rejection? If you are a realtor, you can make more sales without the fear of being salesy. If you are an entrepreneur, you can eliminate the fear of feeling pushy, get more referrals, and add more money to your bank account with less effort. Welcome to Compel Don't Sell, The Art of Selling with Heart, the next generation in relationship sales brought to you by Maximize Your Wealth Now. The reason that I took this course is because I needed to know how to market and sell in a way that doesn't make me feel bad. Compel Don't Sell totally comes from the heart and connects with people in a way that fits my style and how I would like to approach people. And it gave me the benefit of refining what I think and say about my business in a way that's professional, but still very warm and nurturing. I invested in Shirlene's uh, Compel to Sell sales training program. And I just knew immediately that she was the person that I wanted to work with. The reason I took this course is because I felt like there were a lot of new things that Shirlene had to offer that I had not experienced before. That's why I took the class, because I wanted to sort of up-level my sales skills. And thank you, Shirlene, for this amazing class. If you want to learn how to perfect your sales performance, build your bank account, and connect with more of your favorite clients, enter your contact information, and we'll show you how to use heartfelt sales to connect with more of the right prospects and significantly increase your income. Go to MaximizeYourWealthNow.com. Welcome back, everyone. We have been talking to James Hardy, and he is educating us on Bitcoin. I'm so excited about this because we are going to be able to play this for everybody who asks these questions, because <laughs> I get question after question, and I do my best to answer them, but it's always better to talk to the educator. So one of the questions 
that I wanted an answer to is originally the guys who developed all of this, um, and you mentioned his name that first started it off, they didn't want a third party because of all that happened in 2007, 2008. And they said, okay, these banks are a problem. They're a third party where our money's concerned and they got us into a lot of trouble. So we wanna create something where people can be safe. They don't have to have a third party that manipulates what this does. And would you tell us, I, I'm a little confused because yeah, no. I know that how, how you buy it is through different companies, but how does it work when it comes, aren't they a third party? Well, that's a great question. So let's address that right now. So they were very ingenious when they came up with this because they knew they would have to have people that would, you know, if you're gonna have a company, let's call Bitcoin a company, you're going to have to have people that are going to, you know, manage these transactions. Well, who's going to pay them? Okay. So, I mean, if mm -hmm. there's no company and there's no employees, who's going to manage this? So what they did is they allowed third-party um, people, which could be anyone, to volunteer to purchase a computer to the specs that would allow them to solve these mathematical equations, these fast computers that could solve the mathematical equation, and by solving that mathematical equation, it actually gave them the right to actually um, validate the transaction, which would they simply be proving that if James Hardy was trying to sell Bit send Bitcoin to Shirlene from his wallet, that yes, he has it, and that it went to the right address. And for that, that third party or that individual would be rewarded with Bitcoin and be rewarded with fees. Now, how that's different than the banks is the banks say, hey, I'm the bank, and if you want to send money, you have to send it through me, okay? So what we're saying is anyone can be a miner, including you and I. So if I want to, I can go to eBay, and I can look up buying a Bitcoin machine, and I can buy it, I can plug it into my, um, you know, to my wall of my house, I can let it run, and now I'm basically saying, hey, I want to be one of the opportunity guys to get those opportunities. Now, this is where the law of supply and demand comes in, because... If there's thousands and thousands of computers and there's not very many transactions, then the fees are going to be very low. But if there's millions of transactions and there's only thousands of computers, then the transactions are very high. So I don't know if you've seen this, Charlene, but, man, over the last few weeks where, where Bitcoin prices went up and transactions went through the roof, we were paying, like, literally $30 per transaction because the Bitcoin mining was so busy. So mm -hmm. in essence, what's happened is is that it is third parties, but it's not it's not controlled by any one individual, and so it's truly the law of supply and demand. And I don't have to send Bitcoin to you right now. If I look at it, and even though I can send it to you, and it can be in your wallet in in five minutes, if the fees are thirty dollars because the network's so busy, I'll just turn off my phone or my wallet, and I'll come back in the morning when it's only two dollars. And so we are in control as consumers as to how we spend our money and how we use our Bitcoin. So the third party is actually a group of individuals called miners, and these miners literally have become billionaires by performing these transactions. And when you say miners, um, tell everybody what that means for the layman. What does a miner do? Yeah, so that's a great question. So when I first wanted to get involved with, with mining, and not mining, I wanted to get involved with Bitcoin, People always said, oh, you can mine Bitcoin. 
And then I, I, I must have asked uh, two dozen people, and not one person could explain it. And it just confused me even more. So I'm going to try and give you a very simple definition in, in layman's terms. What mining is, is having a computer be available to handle or to solve the mathematical equation that they must solve in order to, in order to be paid to transmit that transaction. And so once your computer has completed, you know, a number of transactions called a block, it's rewarded in fees in Bitcoin, and it goes right into your wallet. And so what miners are doing is, unlike a gold miner who's picking away at a wallet trying to get gold, you're running a computer, and you're basically looking for the opportunity to solve transactions. The faster your computer is, um, the more opportunities you get, and you get rewarded with that Bitcoin. So sometimes individuals will join, you know, they'll take their computer and join a mining pool. But it is a very complex, calculated, you know, transactions that are taking place. And so it's just been nicknamed mining for Bitcoin because just like with gold, you know, your your, your uh, opportunity to buy gold is you've got to buy a pick and an axe and you're going to go out there and maybe you're going to find some gold, maybe you're not. You've got to buy a, a computer and you've got to turn it on and then we're going to see how much how much Bitcoin you're going to get based upon your computer solving those transactions. So now these these Bitcoin miners, they compete. They try and build faster computers. They try and reduce their energy costs by moving their facilities to Iceland so that they have less energy bills because the computers heat up and they need air conditioning. And so it's just a very competitive world to try and be the miner that can generate the most amount of Bitcoin. And remember, there's a limited supply of Bitcoin. And just to go back to what I said earlier, remember, there's now 17 million Bitcoin, just under 17 million Bitcoin. And there's been 12 Bitcoin released every 10 minutes um, while we've been on this call to those miners. But think about it. If they were mining Bitcoin five years ago, they were getting Bitcoin at $100. If they were mining, if they were mining Bitcoin six or seven years ago, they were getting it at a dollar. So when their Bitcoin went up in value, they became wealthy. So that's what a miner is and does. Mm, great explanation. Thank you so much for that. And then I got another question. You know, what do you mean wallet? It goes into the wallet in my purse or some guy's back pocket? What are you talking about, your wallet? Great question. So because because cryptocurrency is a, you know, a, a, an electronic coin, it can be only held in some electronic device. So just like, you know, if I go to the bank and I pull out a thousand dollars in a ten hundred dollar bills, I don't really have to have a wallet. I can just wallet I can just put that in my pocket. And then when somebody asks for that money I can pull it out. But cryptocurrency cannot go in your pocket. There is no coin. Nobody can hand you a Bitcoin. If you see a picture of a Bitcoin and it looks like a coin that, that's not a coin. That's just a artist. Rem, that's just something to symbolize Bitcoin. A Bitcoin is an electronic unit that can only be held in a wallet, and a wallet is tied to the blockchain. So any companies that manufacture wallets, they have to basically do it to the specifications of the cryptography of the blockchain. And so a lot of companies say, "Hey, use our wallet." And they get rewarded in Bitcoin or in fees for allowing people to, to hold their wallet. So you can just Google Bitcoin wallet and you'll find one of the biggest is 
a company called Blockchain. And a lot of people, you know, that's the name of a company. It just happens to also be the name of the technology. So people get confused about that. It's sort of like Kleenex. Well, Kleenex is the name of a brand of a paper towel, okay? But we confuse Kleenex is actually a paper towel. So blockchain, which is actually one of the best wallets, and it's the wallet that I use frequently. Me too. It's free. You can, you can sign up. You can go to blockchain.info, and you can sign up for a free wallet. And, in fact, you can't get Bitcoin until you have a wallet. But usually where you purchase your Bitcoin, they'll give you a free wallet. So I, I buy a lot of Bitcoin from Coinbase. It's, it's U.S.-based. It's one of the largest um, exchanges where you can buy not only Bitcoin but other cryptocurrencies as well. And you have to pay a fee to them, you know, and that fee can range from a few percent on up, depending on where you get it. You can even buy Bitcoin from an ATM machine. Um, but in reality, they're either going to give you a wallet or you're going to have your own wallet. And a lot of times people have multiple wallets, just like, Shireen, I bet you have a lot of wallets because sometimes you're going to go to the opera and you want a really cute, pretty one, and sometimes you're going to the store and you want a big wallet and stuff everything in. Well, cryptography is sort of similar. You might have a wallet for different reasons. You might have a wallet because you want a wallet that is so safe that no one could steal or hack your money, and mm -hmm. it's a wallet that is a hard wallet, meaning no one can get access to it, and it's probably going to you know, sit on your shelf or sit in a, in a bank deposit box somewhere. Because, listen, if someone steals your Bitcoin, there's no company you can call and say, hey, somebody stole my Bitcoin. I'm sorry, if someone stole your Bitcoin. So these wallets have different security levels. And, um, and so, you know, if I have a wallet like I do on my phone, that's a wallet that I use all the time because, you know, sometimes people say, hey, James, uh, you know, can you send me some Bitcoin? I say, sure. No, I literally, like, um, so we could go out for dinner, and we could say, oh, how much was it? Oh, it was $200. And he said, great, send me 100 bucks." I say, do you mind if I send you Bitcoin? He said, no, I'd love Bitcoin. He said, great, I'll send you Bitcoin. So I would just open up my blockchain wallet on my phone, and I would send that. Now, I would always keep, you know, a few thousand dollars and a few Bitcoin in my wallet. But there are experts that say, hey, be careful, because... Your wallet on your phone, you know, somebody could hack that because the security is low level. It's not that they're hacking the Bitcoin network. And this is an important fact or number I heard. If you were trying to hack the Bitcoin network, you would, it would cost you over a trillion dollars because you'd have to hack all or 50% of all of those mining computers. So the millions and millions of computers that are all over the world that are mining Bitcoin, You'd have to have so much power to be able to hack that. So they're saying that the Bitcoin network, the blockchain network itself, is unhackable. But uneducated people go, well, I heard about Mount Knox, and I heard about somebody who got their Bitcoin stolen. Yeah, because they used a wallet that was less secure, or they didn't keep it secure because they didn't use passwords, or they just happened to be in an area where there was a Wi-Fi and some smart you know, millennial figured out how to steal your money. So that's mm. a little bit about wallets. Mm -hmm. mm. Excellent. Thanks so much, James. I really appreciate that because it helps us understand. And, you know, what I love about it is that in the blockchain, we are all just a series of numbers and our name isn't there. So how does that work with taxes? 
With taxes? Mm-hmm. No. Well, interesting question. So I'll touch on it briefly. And Bitcoin is considered uh, an asset, just like real estate is considered an asset. So you know how real estate works. You buy real estate, mm-hmm. and then you pay taxes after you sold your real estate based upon how much it appreciated. Well, Bitcoin's the same way. So if I go buy some Bitcoin, I'm not going to pay taxes on that until I sell it. And it's going to go up and down. I mean, think about it. Bitcoin is going up today, and it's going down today. So it's not like the IRS is chasing you, saying, "Hey, Bitcoin's down. And you need to. Bitcoin's up. You need to send us money." But just like real estate, when you know, sell a piece of property, they make a notice here, and oh, okay, you've got to pay your taxes. So it's up to us to report our own, um, you know, our own earnings on everything we do, not just Bitcoin, but with all of our assets. And so I don't think Bitcoin is really that different than any other asset, but I recommend that everyone should talk to their own CPA, get their own advice, and learn it. But I think it's, you know, a lot of people think that there's somehow ways to get away from not paying your taxes. And my thought is that, look, everyone's always trying to find a way to cheat the system, and I don't really think that's what we have here. In fact, I've talked to some experts, and they said, no, the people, the criminals who use Bitcoin, they get caught because... There's a transaction that can follow and can lead to that. So I think that Bitcoin is just a regular asset, just like anything else, and you follow the rules and you pay what is your fair share. Absolutely. I'm really glad you made a point of that and sharing that with everyone. But what I love is that, yeah, we can see the money, the Bitcoin moving around. It is exciting. It's exciting to watch. So people ask this major question. The question they ask is, should I buy Bitcoin? And is it a bubble? Is it going to continue to go up in value? And I'll just share this with you first off. But the reason why Bitcoin is going up is because there's limited amounts of it, and no one can change that. And there's more and more companies, there's more and more real estate companies, there's more car manufacturers, there's more major <coughs> corporations that are saying, hey, we'll accept Bitcoin. So the more that that happens, the more people want to own it, which is more people buying it. And there's also a lot of people who are going, I don't want to sell my Bitcoin. This is, this is outperforming any asset I have. Why would I sell it? So the price keeps mm-hmm. going up. So people say, oh, well, it must be a bubble because eventually it's going to go down. And to that I say, you know, I don't have a crystal ball. I can promise you that Bitcoin will go down just as it has last week, and it's going to go up. So if you're going to buy Bitcoin, you have to be willing to have a stomach for the volatility of it. And so maybe it's not something you put all your eggs in one basket, great thing. And so I'm giving you a short explanation, and I would encourage people to, if they're really interested, is to really find out all the details, because it's a great way to grow your Bitcoin. Awesome. All right, James, we're going to take just a short break.
attention, professional, authors, coaches, and small business owners. What if you could increase your sales authentically without scripts or the pain of rejection? If you are a realtor, you can make more sales without the fear of being salesy. If you are an entrepreneur, you can eliminate the fear of feeling pushy, get more referrals, and add more money to your bank account with less effort. Welcome to Compel Don't Sell, The Art of Selling with Heart, the next generation in relationship sales brought to you by Maximize Your Wealth Now. The reason that I took this course is because I needed to know how to market and sell in a way that doesn't make me feel bad. Compel Don't Sell totally comes from the heart and connects with people in a way that fits my style and how I would like to approach people. And it gave me the benefit of refining what I think and say about my business in a way that's professional, but still very warm and nurturing. I invested in Shirlene's uh, Compel to Sell sales training program. And I just knew immediately that she was the person that I wanted to work with. The reason I took this course is because I felt like there were a lot of new things that Shirlene had to offer that I had not experienced before. That's why I took the class because I wanted to sort of up-level my sales skills. And thank you, Shirlene, for this amazing class. If you want to learn how to perfect your sales performance, build your bank account, and connect with more of your favorite clients, enter your contact information, and we'll show you how to use heartfelt sales to connect with more of the right prospects and significantly increase your income. Go to MaximizeYourWealthNow.com. I'm Shirlene Reeves, your host, talking with James Hardy. And we've been talking about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. And if you just got here now, I'm sorry. But you can always go and listen to the recording at AscendedMastersAtWork.com. Because this has just been phenomenal in what we've been learning tonight. And there's so many cryptocurrency coins, it's unbelievable. So I'm going to ask James right now, you know, what what is the best way to manage all that? Because I don't want to be a day trader, and I don't think any of my clients want to be either. I think that, you know, first of all, let's just talk about how you buy Bitcoin. So if you wanted to okay. go buy Bitcoin, you could probably go to the most popular. If you just Google buy Bitcoin, you're going to see CoinMama, Coinbase, Gemini, Bitfinex, these are some of the largest Bitcoin exchanges, and there's over a hundred of them. And mm-hmm. basically, they will allow you to um, get set up to where you can either wire money in or use a debit card, and you could buy your Bitcoin. And then, of course, now you're you're kind of just like a trader. You're like, huh, when do I buy it? When do I sell it? And that's the challenge, is, is that, you know, we go to a financial professional because we need some advice, and we need to know what to do, and Instead of just trying to figure out what stocks to buy and so forth. Well, buying Bitcoin could be the same thing. I'm not anticipating or um, recommending that people try and become a Bitcoin trader and try and decide when to buy and when to sell. Now, all of a sudden, it's like, well, which coin? There's a thousand of them. And they're always moving so fast up and down. I would prefer everybody do their own due diligence 
and there's a lot more details than we have time to, to do on this call, you recommend a company to a friend, and they go and use that company, and you get paid for that. And actually, the largest company in the world is the most successful um, affiliate program in the world. That's Amazon.com. And so many people put their products on Amazon.com, and they get paid for sharing that. And affiliate marketing is actually probably the most popular and most successful, one of the wealthy, one of the ways to generate wealth. Well, USI Tech, they made the decision nine months ago when they started their cryptocurrency platform to make their services available through an affiliate marketing program. And so because of that, not only can you make money with your own cryptocurrency um, usage of the platform, but if you share it with others, you can be rewarded in commissions in Bitcoin. And I think that's exciting because, you know, all of us, you know, we would love to have a little bit more Bitcoin so that if Bitcoin does this year what it did last year, which is go up 20 times, hey, if it only went up 10 times this year, we'd be ecstatic. And certainly there are many ways to make money and there's many ways to put your money in. I certainly don't want to make a recommendation to anybody over a call. They should, you know, make their own decisions and reach out to a professional and get all the details before they do anything. But I just love cryptocurrency. I think it's here to stay, and it's certainly um, something that I believe uh, is going to is going to be a, b- a big part of our financial future going forward. Well, James, I just want to thank you so much for being here with us tonight, and I agree with you hundred percent. I truly believe that it's going to be here long term, and you know, I'm invested in it. I believe in it, and I know that anything that's limited is always going to do well. So over the long term, I suggest that everybody in our audience, all of our listeners really look into it. And you could even give me a call if you want to. We can talk about it at 925-335-6077. That's 925-335-6077. And I'm here to answer questions for you. And I just love this topic. And I'm learning so much too. And I'm watching what's going on all over the world. And it's really fun to watch everything move forward like it is. So next week, we will be back on Wednesday. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. And I look forward to chatting with you next week. See you then. Good night, everyone. Thank you for joining us on Ascended Masters at Work Radio. We hope you gained insights that will change the way you do business, generate a consistent income, and provide a new enlightened path toward financial freedom and designing the lifestyle of your dreams. Join us again next Wednesday, live at 6 p.m. Pacific Time on BBS Radio. Don't forget to get in the queue early to receive your personalized business coaching experience. And if you simply can't wait to purchase Shirlene's book, Selling Through Your Heart, empowering you to build relationships for financial freedom at sellingthroughyourheart.com.